Welcome to Momentum Church. We're jumping back into our series on John, and um, we've been weaving that in and out through this year. How many's enjoyed John this year? Yeah, yeah, we've been learning out of John. Yeah, we've been learning out of John that what it means to have faith and who we believe in and how that should affect us, right? It's what we should believe in and how we should follow and pursue who Jesus is, who he is. And, and, and it's not just about faith and mental ascent. It is all about allegiance. And I just think that we need more of that. That, that, that where we wake up in the morning, that first thing on our mind is I am his and he is mine. And that affects everything. Amen. And so we're going to be jumping into John chapter 10. Go ahead and open up your Bibles today to John chapter 10. We're going to jump over there as we look at the word of God today. And I want to jump just off onto a little story real quick. How many here has ever locked themselves out of your house? Yeah. Or locked yourselves out of your car? Or have been locked out by somebody else from something. How many's been locked up? I know who I'm preaching to. We got some folk in here. Yeah, we do. I'm so proud of you that God has redeemed you from the prison. Yes. But no, I remember I was doing some work for seminary, and, and it was distance education at the time. And I had to have a paper due, and it had to have a postmark on it by a certain time. I'm 10 minutes away from the post office, and I'm going to run out of gas. And so I pull in the gas station, I get my gas real quick, and I go to jump back in the car, and the car is locked. Oh my gosh. It's like I'm looking at my time. There is no way I can get AAA here. It's not happening. And so I just looked at my car, and I thought, this window's the cheapest. (laughs) You didn't know I could. I hi-yawed it. I did. I I kung fu'd it. And I kicked a hoe in my window. And um, and this lady looked at me like, oh. And she goes, are you okay? I go, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm smiling. I'm laughing. She's like, whoa. I said, I have a paper, dude. It has to have a postmark down at the post office. I, I locked my keys. You know, she's like, oh, okay. Like, I, I, even in her face, I could tell it was extreme. But it felt horrible to be locked out. I, I remember when I was about nine, ten years old, my sister is about seven and a half years older than I am. And um, we were there at the house, and, and I had went outside, and, you know, I was raised up kind of in a holiness background. You know what I mean by that? Like, holy, like everything you do in life, you're going to hell for. You know what I'm saying? And so that was just kind of how I was raised up. And my sister had a sin in her life, and so she locked me out. I went outside the house to play in an August Ohio afternoon, and, um, and, and it was hot and humid, and I'm out playing, and I go to come back in, and I can't open the door because my sister was indulging in her secret sin of watching soap operas. This is back in the late 70s, early 80s. So she was watching things like General Hospital, As the World Turns, you sinner. I set you up for that. But she was. She's watching all that, and she didn't want me to know she was watching it, so she had locked me out. And, well, she forgot she had locked me out, you know? And so then she jumped into doing the dishes, and, and um, the reason why I know that is because I tried to get in, and she, I was frustrated because it was one of those things to where the benefits of the home were being held back from me because my sister locked the door. The relief I wanted 
from the August sun was just separated from me from a few swinging hinges. That's all. I walk into the house and I experience the air conditioning, but my sister had locked the door so she could sin. All, all my stuff, and know this, kids have lots of stuff. All my stuff is inside the house that I want to play with, that I want to do things with. Everything that my father had given me was being kept from me by the devil. I mean, by my sister. <laughs> On the other side of a locked door. So I figured out what I could do. I climbed the pine tree beside the house. Now, you got to understand, at that age, I was what you would call a husky boy. Okay. You know, those corduroys at school where it was like, <laughs> that, that was, yes, yes, yes. I was like a noisy Harry Potter, I'm telling you. And so I climbed the pine tree, and I, in all my um, finesse, I jump over to the top of our porch roof, and I sneak across the porch roof, and I get my window open. Thank God it was unlocked. And I climb into my bedroom, and unbeknownst to my sister, I am now inside the house. And she's down doing dishes. Back turned to me, and she's washing dishes. And I come down to scare her. And so I scare her, to which she turns around, ha, ah! with a knife. Because she was washing a dish. And she's like, V, she calls me V, because my name is Ross, V period, Alan Wiseman. V means nothing. Victory, I don't know, vivacious. I, I don't know, it means nothing. She goes, V, I could have cut you. <laughs> You know, and it felt that way. <clears throat> it really did. So she was not happy with me. <clears throat> so here's the thing because the door was locked, I put myself at risk trying to find a way into that house that was intended for me to enter through the front door. Amen? Oh, I'm going somewhere. Say he's going somewhere. Yeah, let's stand to our feet. I want to read God's word. <clears throat> God has an intention for us to go through a door into all that he has for us. And the enemy of our heart would love for us to feel like that door is closed to us and that everything that the Heavenly Father has provided for us, we're separated from and we're out in the heat of sin. We're out in the frustration of not being able to access what God has for us. That's what the enemy would love. But the scripture tells us in John 10, verse 7 through 9, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Amen? All of who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Shout the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. And I love that. It's not just that we come into salvation and we just cloister, you know, I'm his sheep. Everybody else out there in the world, I don't want anything to do with you. No, no, it says, and come in and out and find pasture. But he is the door. Father, in the name of Jesus, over the next few minutes, just give us a sense of revelation, understanding, and knowledge that would stir our hearts in our daily lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your all seats. So Jesus, he says, I am the door of the sheep. And if you don't know anything about this time, a shepherd would take his sheep and his flock, and he would find a place where he could create a small gap. Maybe it was some rocks if it was fencing, whatever it might have been, but he would have a small gap. And he doesn't just say, I am the door. He says, I am the door of the sheep. 
okay? And so imagine the flocks are here and there's stones all the way around, but a man-sized gap. And the man that was the shepherd, he would lay in that gap. He would literally become the door of the sheep. Well, that's awesome. What does that mean? That means if someone, a thief or a robber, wanted to get into the sheep, they'd have to come across the shepherd first, amen? Some of you in this room, you're going through some things where the enemy of your heart is trying to steal, kill, and destroy from you. Just know this, that enemy of your heart, my sister, no, the devil has to go through Jesus first, amen? He's there at that gate. If that sheep starts to wander, how many wandering sheep do we have in here? I'm telling you right now, every one of you at some time in your life, you felt like wandering. But you know what? That shepherd is right there. You got to bump up against Jesus when you wander. And I want to tell you right now, there are mommies and daddies in this room right now. Your children are wandering, but they are bumping up against Jesus all the time because he is the door of the sheep. Amen? Just bump up, up against him, Jesus. Just, just bump up against him and feel all that conviction. Bump up against him and feel all that love. Bump up against him and feel a little bit of that longing of the, the, the childhood faith that you once had. That's going to happen, amen? I'm claiming that as well. And so that shepherd would lay there as literally the door of the sheep, providing protection, providing access. That's what he would do. And we know the scripture isn't just referring to sheep as far as the actual barn animal, we know it's referring to people. Matthew 9, verse 35 through 36, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, that good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So when we see that he is the sheep, the doorway of the sheep, that means he is your access point. 2,000 years ago, he looks over the city of Jerusalem. He sees all these people who, who his heart breaks for them because they don't realize the access they have to all that Jesus has. That's why he goes and he begins to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of what the kingdom means. And he even begins to give them a taste of it through signs and wonders and miracles and healings, healing every disease and every affliction. And Jesus declares, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. Say door. door. I am the door of the sheep. Now, <clears throat> a door in ancient Jewish culture was symbolic of covenant. All right? I'm going to go somewhere with this. So the door is a symbol of covenant. Because when you're invited into relationship, into covenant, you're invited into access to walk in the protection and the provision of the one that's inviting you into that covenant relationship. So the door is a symbol of covenant. We know this all the way back into the book of Exodus. When God was going to bring the Israelites out, what did he do? He, he, he had them take a lamb and sacrifice the lamb and he had them put the blood on the doorposts as a sign that this is my people. As a sign that I am under the blood of protection. I'm under this covering. And so they put that upon the doorpost, upon the mezuzot. That's the doorpost in, in Hebrew. They, they put it upon that. 
And in that moment, when it was time that evening for the death angel to fly over, every home that was covered by the blood of, of the lamb, they did not face the penalty of losing the firstborn in their home. Exodus 12, 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, that's the good news of the kingdom of God. This message of the gospel isn't just 2,000 years ago. This is 3,500 years ago. Really, the message of the gospel goes all the way back to the book, the, the, the book of Genesis, clear back to the Garden of Eden where God had provision in a way and wanted to bless his people and wanted fellowship and relationship. And we know the enemy of our heart, the enemy Satan stole that in a sense, but Jesus came to bring that back, amen? That second Adam, the Bible says Jesus, he refers to him as the second Adam. But the gospel has been proclaimed all these years. And so Jesus, he's going throughout the cities and villages reminding them of the same thing that God was telling them. That, that, that you need the covering of the blood over the door. You need Jesus in your life. And in doing so, no plague will befall you or destroy you. You're like, Pastor, I've been through some stuff. I understand that. I know that. At times, it feels like the plague befalls you. At times, you feel like you're this close to destruction. In those moments, just know the shepherd is at the gate. He's there at the door. He's being touched, and he is touching every single thing that's coming through there. I would just encourage you in those seasons, stay in the fold. Amen? Don't bust out, don't go running, just hang in there. Watch what the shepherd is going to do in that moment. I want to go to Exodus. This isn't in the, on the screen, but Exodus 6, verse 5. Here we go. Exodus 6, verse 5. I just want to point out this message of the kingdom that we have access to because of the door who is Jesus. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves. And I've remembered my covenant. There it is. My relationship with these people that I've called to be my own. I have remembered it, and I hear their suffering. Nothing has come through this gate without my revelation. Even because a lot of that was their own fault that they're in the situation they're in. But he has heard their groanings. If the enemy has lied to you and told you, you got yourself here, you'll have to get yourself out. That's a lie from the enemy. You got yourself there, but I'm here to declare to you today that Jesus, the great shepherd, lean into him and watch him make a way where there could be no other way. Amen? He'll, he'll move you out of that. He'll deal with that. Here's how I know it. Because he says, moreover, I've heard the groanings of the Israelites from Egypt. And I have remembered my covenant, says the Lord to the people of Israel. I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." That's the gospel of the kingdom. It's just written in the Old Testament that God has this plan. And he says to you, if the blood is over your life, get ready. It's simple. Get ready. I'm going to deliver you. If the blood is over your life, get ready. I'm going to save you. If the blood is over your life, get ready. I'm going to redeem you. Ross, what does redeem mean? It means to show you what you've been purchased for. Redemption is the purchase of our lives by the blood of Jesus 
bind us back, if you will, from the stain of sin. And if the blood of Jesus was shed for your purchase, guess what that means? That means you are all kinds of valuable. And the enemy in the morning will wake you up and think you have no value and no purpose. And it's like, no, 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 no. I've gone through the door. I've gone through the access point. I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm one of his sheepfold. I'm some kind of something in this world, not because of me, but because of the one I serve. Amen? That's the gospel of the good news. He saves you. He delivers you. He gives you value. He redeems you. And he puts you into purpose. And then I love the last part. And I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. I'm one of his. One of his sheep. The sheep of his pasture. Amen? But so often, if I'm not careful, I'll try to find access in so many other ways to deliverance, peace, salvation, value, worth. So many other ways that it's not what the gate, it's not what the door, it's not what Jesus would want me to walk in and through, amen? I'm climbing a pine tree over here trying to get access and setting myself in jeopardy. And there may be nobody in this room, but maybe somebody online, maybe somebody in this room too, you know? You went to bed last night with the drugs sitting right there beside your nightstand. Why? Because that's access, in a sense, to something temporary that makes you feel that you're walking in freedom. Man, I'm telling you right now, that's a pine tree. You're going to fall off. You're going to get hurt. Jesus is that one. And there's people in this room right now that know that, that have come out of heavy addictions and strongholds that held them bound. And they have seen that Jesus was the doorway into what God had. And now that they're walking in it, they're walking with him and through him into all sorts of amazing things in their life. Amen? It's because of covenant. And so that door is a symbol of covenant. And covenant is just a relationship between two people. That's what covenant is. In the Old Testament times during that era, you would have a king who would go into a covenant with a vassal, like a lesser king or a leader of a, of a region. And at that point, that king, that vassal, would have all the protection that that king could offer. At that point, that vassal would have all the provisions that that king would offer. That is my person and I am his. It's that kind of a relationship. And that's what covenant is. And that's what God is inviting us into. It's not about doors. It's about access. Because the door is that thing that moves you into a place of protection and a place of provision. Amen. And that covenant with God is the same way. And I think sometimes in our life, we forget that we are under the king's protection and under the king's care. I want to talk a little bit about that access. That comes because of the covenant that we have, that door into what God has for us. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 17 through 22. Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access. In other words, the Gentile and the Jew that leans into Jesus both have access to one spirit and to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So it's a relationship. You've gone from a stranger and an alien to now you've come through the access point into the sheepfold, and now you are one of his own. You are no longer a stranger. You're no longer an alien. You're one of God's own, one of his own children. 
And it doesn't just stop with us. I love this because God's all about relationship. So, all right, I start getting what the Lord's doing in my life, and that's it. You know, when I was a kid, we had this lady that would sing at my dad's church, and she would say, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Me and Jesus got it all worked out. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. We don't need nobody to tell us what it's all about. Yes, you do need somebody to tell you what it's all about. Amen. It's not not a solo spark. And so God begins to show you access for you. And the next thing you know, something starts to get built. This this, this thing that becomes a holy temple of his presence starts to get built because of this shepherd that's invited us into the sheepfold. And if you look to the left of you, you look to the right of you, that's what this is. This isn't just 659 Arnold Mill Road. This isn't just brick walls and we call it a church. No, it's the habitation of God's sheep coming together having access for ourselves, but then access together for a greater reason. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, speaking of the church, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And I love the fact that God invites us and gives us access to himself to walk into what he has for us, but then he doesn't say, it's all about you. At that point, he invites us to be a part of this kingdom of God, this, this building up of this holy temple together where he is the door of the sheep and we are the sheep of his, she- of his sheepfold. And God is using all of us together as a declaration of who he is. I'm going to get to that here in a second. This is all going to come together. As I said, doors have a very significant place in the minds and hearts of Jewish people. That doorpost, as I said, the Hebrew word is, is, is mezuzot, just the idea of the post. And we can see there at the Passover that they're to put the blood upon the post. And at that point, a command is given, a desire from God for the Jewish people never to forget that night, never to forget that experience. And they're asked to write God's provision, if you will, what he has done on the doorpost of their homes. In Deuteronomy, again, I don't have this on the screen. But verse 4, this is what's called the Shema. It's, it's hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then it goes down and it just makes it so simple. This is how the sheep are supposed to live. This is how the sheep are supposed to respond. This is how we're supposed to walk out life. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. And that Shema in a Jewish home will be on a scroll that is rolled up and placed into a mezuzah, and that is placed on the doorway as you come into a Jewish home, even to this day, as a reminder of covenant, as a reminder that you're not going through life alone, but God is with you as you enter, but oh, God is with you as you go as well. Amen? God is with you to provide protection, but God has given you access for provision as you go as well. And I had a mezuzah on my house for a long time. And when we remodeled, it, it, it was removed when we remodeled and, um, and never got put back up. And so I'm going to ask you to put pressure on Amy 
because she likes our remodeled house. And for some reason, she doesn't love God as much as me. And she doesn't want me to put a mezuzah back on my house. And so not that it is anything that brings protection. It's just a reminder. Amen? I'm not telling you this is your pastor. Everybody go get mezuzahs, okay? But I just like the idea of it as a reminder coming in and going out that the great shepherd is the gatekeeper. He's the one at that door. And when I come in, he's with me. And when I go out, he's with me as well. Amen? I just love that reminder. And so the mezuzah is a sign and a reminder of the covenant Jews have with God and their desire to follow the commands of the Lord. Again, as I said, it's not meant to be a, 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 um, oh, um, it's not witchcraft, amen? It's not like some device that's supposed to bring you protection. It's just a reminder. And on most mezuzahs, you'll have three letters, all right? You'll have the shin, you'll have the dalit, and you'll have the yud, just a little tiny dash, just a little tiny dash. And I love that because that shin is a symbol for the one that is the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. So when you see that, it looks like this. It looks like fiery candlesticks coming up. And that shin, it just reminds us that he is the all-sufficient one. And as sheep of his shepherd, you have one that's at the door of the gate that is your provider. He is the all-sufficient one. When you go out that door and in that door, be reminded without a doubt that he will supply. Amen? The dalit in Hebrew, it looks like a door, like the tent door. And the yud, the little dash, it's the same little dash when you have Udhe Vavhe, when you see the letters that are anglicized as Jehovah, Udhe Vavhe. And people will say that in the mystic faiths of Judaism, that that Ud is a point of power, that there's something powerful. And all I know is that my Udhe Vavhe, my Jehovah Jireh, his name is powerful, amen? I know that without a doubt. And so those letters on that are just a symbol and a reminder of this. And I just love, I know it doesn't take all that. I don't know. I just love that for 3,500 years that God's people have been reminding themselves that he will go with them when they go in and when they go out. And I want us to remind ourselves of that. I don't think we wake up enough in the mornings in our own days and lives, myself included, thinking who we are. Thinking the access we have because of the door. Thinking of the provisions that we have because of the door. You know, I, I just don't think we wake up with that in our mind. It'd be easy to wake up. I'll just use Brandon to wake up. I'm a realtor. No, you're not. You're an anointed child of God on a mission for the kingdom. You just so happen to do real estate. You know, I have this huge business of, of, of remodeling and landscaping, all the things. No, you're not, Dave. You're an anointed man of God that has this mission that God has for you. Eddie, I'm a retired man that spent all those years at 18. No, yes, you are, but you're an anointed man of God that God has a purpose for and a plan for. People are saying, I'm, I'm, I'm missing women. I, I am sorry. I'm just looking at people close. It's dark. I can't see all y'all. So, <clears throat> excuse me. And what I mean by that is this, that, that those three letters, that shin, that dalet, and that yud, those three letters on there, they have created for years an acronym that is Shomer Doltot Yisrael. Shomer Doltot Yisrael. That's the acronym. And what that means is the guardians of the house of Israel. Amen? 
the guardians of the doors of Israel, the guardians of, of all that God has. And guess who that is? It's you. So it's not just about you going into your home and being appreciative that there's a door that gives you protection. No, no, no. It's you going out and you're coming and you're going. It's that, that I have this access to God for protection and provision, but also that provision in my life is to go back out of that door and be a guardian. Another word that you can use for that, and, um, and I'm not going to go into it, but there's a way of looking at the Shema, and it actually the way it's read, the first letters of the first sentence can come out as the word witness. So it's not just a guardian of the doors, you're a witness What God is doing in you, what God is allowing you to walk in, can be seen by people. And it becomes a witness of the faithfulness of who Jesus is. And we know that Jesus is the door. And so that door is that reminder of covenant. Jesus is that access point that takes us into the protection and the provision that God has. He is the door of the sheep. And as we come to a close, that doesn't just affect us. It's not supposed to. Watch what Matthew 9, 36 through 38 says. We started with this verse, but I want to go one step further. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now watch verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Sounds like a mix in metaphors. He first has compassion on them like sheep without a shepherd. And then he's looking to his disciples, very next beat. We got to collect a harvest. And you're part of that. It's the same. It's that the bringing forth of the sheep into the sheepfold isn't just the job of the shepherd, it's the job of those sheep. God has done a work, and now as they embrace the responsibility on their life to say, you know what, the way my life is lived becomes a guardian of the door, becomes a witness of the door, the witness of who Jesus is in the world. And as I go forth, I lift him up, and in lifting up, he draws men to himself. It's a partnership, isn't that neat? And, and, and every one of us in this room, if I said, you guys want to go out and go witnessing with me? How many were raised in churches where they would go witnessing? Anybody? A few people. Yeah. I remember years ago, a man knocking on my door. I opened it up. Jared and I, we had just moved here. We hadn't even got our wives here yet. I'm over in Ackworth. Man knocks on the door. I open it up. And he was the pastor and the youth pastor of a church. I won't say which one. And he wanted to get me saved. And I explained to him, I'm a believer. I'm, I, I follow Christ. How are you sure? And he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Finally, I'm like, I am saved. Get off my porch. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't do that. For most of us, though, that kind of witnessing, it kind of makes us nervous to do. And I get that. And for many of you in this room, if that's how you're witness to, you'd have been like, yeah, no. But can I tell you, the greatest witness in your life is when you wake up in the morning reminding yourself that you have access to the provisions and protection of the Lord, and then you live like it. What a witness that, 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 that he as the door of the sheep and you as the sheep of his pasture, that you're not just second thinking that, but like it's like on the forethought of your mind as you're going through life. And oh, what do you have going on, shepherd? What are we doing today, Jesus? Where do you have me going, Jesus? That becomes a witness. 
He is the door, and we are his witnesses. See, my sister, the devil, I mean, I mean I'm sorry, the devil would have you living in such a way that you forget you have access. And then in forgetting and not living out of that access, you stop walking in the provisions of covenant. I want to go with this. Don't miss this. Does our expression of life lock others out from the gospel of the kingdom? Or does it allow an access point for them to come into the things of the kingdom? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the best witness in your life is when you just embrace the gospel of the kingdom. Everything that he gives you access for, and you look at your life and say, you know what? I'm struggling, but I will walk in deliverance. There's a door for me. There's an access point for me. God's already called me to walk in deliverance, and I'm going to stop making excuses for the sin in my life, and I'm going to choose to take paths of righteousness that will lead me to a place of deliverance. Guess what? I'm not saying your perfection will be a witness. I'm saying your pursuit will be a witness. Friends and family will say, that's not who that man used to be. That's not who that woman used to be. That woman, she used to run her mouth, and I see a resolve in her to check herself before she wrecks herself now when she has something she wants to say about somebody else. It had to be Jesus. I was talking to Mary. Nope. You know what? It's not worth talking about. Oh, come on, girl. Tell me. Nope. No, it's not worth it. That's a witness. Can I go there? Hot girl walks by. You're with your buddies. And you avert your head. Rather than, ooh, whoa, man, check her out. It's a witness. That never happens. All I'm saying is that idea of we walk in the access point and we begin to walk in the provision and the protection of the Lord and next thing you know, you start to see those things seen evident and people see the change in your life and that becomes a witness. You wake up in the morning and you have value. You remind yourself who he is and who you are and it gives you purpose and you start living out of that purpose and that value Man, what an invitation to find Jesus as an access point to more. What an invitation to your friends and family. But the enemy would love for you to doubt who you are. He would love for you to doubt that you're the redeemed, purchased by his blood for a purpose and a reason. That's who you are. That you are his and he is yours. Oh, just that revelation that the gate, the door walks me into that, that should change everything. And in changing everything, as I come into my house and I go out of my house, it becomes a witness, as people see. Everybody close your eyes real quick. Just close your eyes. I want you to say something very, um, just very meditatively. Just say, I am his, and he is mine. Mm. Let's let that rest on us. Holy Spirit, just let that rest on us. Wow, the implications of that, Lord, just help us understand what that means. Say it again, I am his and he is mine. Lord, if I'm yours, then I'm not deceits. If I'm yours, then I'm not addiction. I'm not addictions. It doesn't have its hold. If I'm yours, I'm not jealousy. If I'm yours, 
I'm not vengeance and vengefulness. I'm yours. Lord, help me get a revelation of that, God. If my allegiance lines up with you, yes, these things might be in me, but God, if I'm yours, you'll lead me from those things, just like you led the Israelites out of Egypt. And Lord God, it's going to be a fight, but that's all right, because you promised with an outstretched arm. You delivered them. I invite you, Jesus, in our lives to have an outstretched arm. Be fierce in the things I submit to you, Jesus. Say it again. Say, I'm his. And he is mine. And then you don't know. You can look up this way. You don't know where God will take you in a day as you walk out that physical door with that mindset that I'm going to love God with all my heart, my mind, and my body. I'm going to submit myself in the areas where I need deliverance and salvation and value and victory. Having that on your mind, you never know what God will do next, what he'll speak in and through you as a guardian of the house of the Lord, the guardian of the doors of Israel. You'll never know what he'll do next. And sometimes it could be really profound and really deep, and sometimes it could be something very simple. But every time as you respond to the leading of your shepherd, those who he sees with compassionate eyes, who he sees that needs a shepherd, he draws them to himself. Last week I was at Walmart, and I'll close with this. And as I'm walking, this African-American lady, she kind of went this way. And I didn't really see her. I just, I knew she was tall, and I knew she was probably fixing to go somewhere because she had a, a red do-rag on her head, you know. Her hair, her hair wasn't made up yet, you know. And she just went that way. And I went this way. And as I was walking, I felt like the Lord said, you need to tell her she's beautiful. And I was like, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that, God. I'm married, God. I don't tell women they're beautiful, you know. But I just felt that, and it was weird, and so I fought myself with it. You know, I just was like, God, I just, is that you? Is that me? Blah, blah, blah. So I go, and I buy the stuff I need to buy, and I'm walking, and I don't use aisles. I cut through because I just, I can't stand. I got to get there. And so I'm cutting through, and, and all of a sudden, she's using aisles, and she turns, and, and I almost run into her. And it was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. And I said, and I, and I was getting ready to walk. And ma'am, I, can I tell you something? And she's like, yeah. And I said, I, this might sound weird, but I said, um, I saw you earlier, and I felt like Jesus told me something I'm supposed to tell you. And she's like, what, really? You know, and she, and she leaned forward. And I said, yeah, I, I feel like Jesus wants you to know you're beautiful. She went, I said, not, not, I'm not just saying physically. I think he wants you to know that he sees you. You are seen. And he says you're beautiful. And she starts to cry. <laughs> oh. And I said, Listen, I'm a pastor. I had to get this caveat out there. I'm a pastor. I'm married. It's nothing like that. You know, this is all Jesus, you know. <laughs> and um, she goes, you don't understand. She said, um, the last few days, I've just been going through stuff. And I said to the Lord a few days ago, I just need a sign. I just need an angel to come and give me a sign or a word. And I was that angel. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that was awful. Oh, gosh. She goes, can I hug you? And, you know, so the pastors, you know how pastors hug. We go that sideways hug. I'm like, sure, if you can hug my shoulder, <laughs> you know, just how we do. And um, I invited her to church, you know, and um, it was just, it was a 
powerful moment, a simply natural, supernatural moment, you know, just simply natural, supernatural. And, um, and I don't know what will come of that. All I know is that was a word she needed to hear in that moment. And all I know is I'm not perfect. I know that. I'm not like, ooh, get a word from the Lord every moment, every day. But that day I did. And I got to be a witness to the door of the house of Israel. You know what I mean? A witness to, honey, you have an access point. His name is Jesus. That's what she's hearing. That I'm not rejected by him. He sees me and he thinks I'm beautiful. There's something going on that the God of creation has put my name in a man's heart or my, this moment in a man's heart and he spoke it. And it was a witness. Does that make sense? So I want us just as God's people to realize that our lives lived in connection with that, with the door with Jesus, just daily saying, God, as I go in and as I go out, what are you going to do in me and through me? What are you going to speak to me and through me? What are you going to, what are you going to have me do today, Jesus? And just having that mindset of access to the provisions and protection of the Lord, but then, Lord, how does that now go forth to build up a kingdom that you're building up? Amen. Bow your head, close your eyes for just a second. If you're here this morning, I was saying that Jesus said, or God said, I will save you. And you've heard that before, probably in church or watching a televangelist. What does that mean? It's just, we were born into sin. Every one of us apart from Christ in this world is born into sin. And there comes a moment in time where we have to say, I don't only believe that Jesus came to this earth, died and rose again, but I put my allegiance in him. And that might be your day today. You may be saying, Ross, I know I've never walked through, or if I did walk through, it's been a long time since I've been living like it, and I want to walk through the door of who Jesus is, if you will, into all that he has. And I know my sin keeps me from it, but just like the blood on the doorpost, today I ask forgiveness. I want your blood to forgive me. I want you to pass over that and allow me to walk into all that you have. I want to be a Christ follower. If that's you today, for the first time, just raise your hand. Yeah, Russ, I want to begin to serve Jesus. Is there anybody here today that wants to walk into that? Maybe there's others here today that you, you've been kind of playing around in the sheepfold, you know? Kind of like me going up the pine tree trying to find your way in, trying to find access on your own way. And today you realize, I just need Jesus. I need to follow Jesus. With everything I have, I'm recommitting my life to Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. Anybody just recommitting? I see that, sweetie. I see that. Anybody else today? Just recommitting my life to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let everybody pray this prayer with me. Today, I give you my life and everything that that means. My shortcomings and sins, forgive them. Come into my life. Lead me. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a few others in this room that maybe for you, you're saying, yes, I have struggled, and I need deliverance. What does that look like? What does that mean? For others, I've struggled with value and worth, and I need to know that I am redeemed. I need to know what that means in my life. For some of you, just that sense of the enemy just tries to distance you from feeling and knowing that you are his and he is yours, that, God is your, that you are God's and God is yours. If that's you, just hold up your hand. I know that's a big, broad, broad spectrum, but I just want to pray. I see hands everywhere. Yeah. Jesus, right now, we just come to you, and we thank you for the fruit of your covenant. 
and we claim every bit of it for ourselves today. And we choose, like Deuteronomy says, that in our coming and our going, God, that we're going to remind ourselves of what that access means to us, Jesus. We invite you to bring deliverance. We invite you to, to just continue to work out your salvation in our life. We invite you, Lord God, to redeem us and put value in us, and we will live up to that value. And Lord God, we ask you to remind us that every day we wake up that you're at the door of our life, God. In our comings and our goings, we don't go anywhere without you. And let that change everything that we do and everything we believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.